Hello, you are listening to the Reversing Diabetes with Delane MD podcast. This is episode number 174. I'm your host, Dr. Delane Vaughn. If you are looking for strategies to live a naturally healthy life, you are in the right place. We are streaming live on YouTube. So if you haven't already subscribed to the YouTube channel, I highly recommend you do. Also, follow me on Instagram, follow me on Facebook, any upcoming seminar, webinars, week, five-day week, five programs, all of those are going to be announced there. So um, follow me there so you get that information. Also, it's a great opportunity to interact and ask questions and get any of that uh, information that you're needing to help live that naturally healthy life. There is a Facebook group. It's reversing diabetes with Delane MD. You can find it on Facebook, ask to join. I'll let you in. And again, that's a great opportunity. If you're having questions, if you're not sure how things work, if you want to know what to do with X, Y, and Z, ask me, I'm happy to answer anything there. Today we are going to start, or we are going to talk about, uh, playing the victim about victimization and helplessness. I'm I'm doing a number of really uplifting uh, podcasts here lately. I feel like a Debbie Downer. I am feeling a little under the weather. So if I sound raspy, okay, that's just how, how it's going for me right now. I've had got some congestion going on, so I'm not in love with that. I feel a little foggy in my brain with it. So before we get started. I do want to remind everyone, if you are on medications for your type 2 diabetes and you're listening to this podcast and considering implementing some of the changes that I recommend, please be careful. You have been medicated due to the way you used to eat or you have been eating. If you change the way you're eating, you're going to need to change your medications or they may be too much and you could get very sick. Recognize some of these medications override your body's ability to keep your blood sugar in a normal range. They're hoping to drive your blood sugars down because that's what the medical uh, society does to treat um, type two diabetes. They don't address the insulin issue, which will actually fix it, but they just try to drive your blood sugars down, which is fine. And over time that can improve your insulin level, but do recognize a lot of times that will override your body's ability to keep your blood sugar in a higher range and a normal range, because all it's doing is trying to push that down. So if you start eating differently and you're providing your body less blood sugar, you could get to a point where your meds are driving the blood sugar too low and you don't have the ability to keep it up because those meds are overriding that ability. So What all that is meant to tell you is to be very, very, very careful if you are on meds for your diabetes and you are making these dietary changes. You can get very sick very quickly. Make sure you have a quick, make sure you have an easy uh, line to communicate with your primary care physician or your physician that's managing your meds. Make sure you have an ability to call them and let them know what your blood sugars are so they can tell you what med adjustments you need to make. As always, I tell everybody this, I tell my clients this, I tell people on the podcast this, if you have the goal of coming off your meds for your type two diabetes and your doctor is telling you to eat more carbs because your blood sugars are getting quote unquote too low, recognize that is not the way to bring your blood sugars or to come off the medications, at least to normalize your insulin resistance and come off the medications. More carbs is never the answer. Having a very frank conversation with your doctor about wanting to come off those meds and normalizing your biology 
and coming off the meds so that you don't have to be diabetic anymore is important. And if they're not on board, it's probably time for you to find a different doctor or a different provider, somebody who is interested in helping you through this process and on this journey. Certainly that's what I help my clients do. I am the doctor that helps them. I tell them all the time though, I don't tell them come off your meds. I tell them call their doctor, tell them what their blood sugars are. If I need to say from a safety standpoint, I would not take that med tonight, but call your doctor in the morning, I will share that with them. But recognize you have to have a medical provider who's on, who's available to you and willing to help you through that process. And sometimes that's hard to find, but either way, if you're on meds and you're making these changes, please be very careful. Coming up, there will be five-day training sessions in the end of December. If that's something you're interested in, please let me know. Send me an email, delane at delanemd.com. Tonight, it is today, this morning, November 28th, uh, 2022. There is a um, hour-long webinar for gentlemen um, on cravings, urges, desires for foods, and the three strategies that I teach to help people reverse their type 2 diabetes. If that's something you're interested in, send me a message to lane at delanemd.com. I will uh, send you out the uh, webinar link and uh, we will go from there. It's at 5.30 p.m. Central Time today, November 28th. Um, I know I'm recording this a little later. Clearly the holiday uh the Thanksgiving holiday kind of glitched my schedule. I usually try to get this recorded and I try to let everybody know that I'm recording it. So if they want to listen live, they have that opportunity. I did not get that done last week and I apologize. And this week's going to be kind of crazy and chaotic also because I leave on Wednesday evening to uh, go to Florida and run a relay trail race. So um this week, I'm not real sure. I'll try to make sure if I have the opportunity to let everybody know that I'm recording the podcast later this week, I'll try to do that. But if not, it may just pop up. So, all right, today we are going to talk about playing the victim. Before we do, I do want to read an email. I got an email from a listener named Amy. Hi, Dr. Delane. I've been an avid listener to your pod of your podcast. While I cannot afford the private coaching, your podcasts have been transformative. One year ago in November, I was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. My fasting sugar at the time was 137. My A1C was 6.5. I had already started a weight loss journey and exercising daily, which had resulted in a 30-pound weight loss from March of that year. I can only imagine what my numbers would have been before those changes were made. I was told by the diabetic counselor that I had referred that I had been referred to that type 2 diabetes was a permanent progressive disease. I quickly found a different diabetic counselor for some guidance. Today, a year since my previous lab work, I'm down another 20 pounds, so 50 pounds total. My fasting blood sugar today was 97, and my A1C is down to 5.6. I don't know if they'd call it reversal, but it feels like a victory nonetheless. Thank you for the information that you've shared to help me gain these results. She also has a question, and I do want to answer that in case anybody else has a similar question. So my doctor hardly acknowledged my huge success, but instead focused on my cholesterol and my LDL. He told me that my, I had to work on my diet and exercise. I was speechless. Um, my triglycerides were 133. My HDL was 59 and my LDL was 111. The previous year, the numbers were, my triglycerides were 153. The HDL was 58. The LDL was 91. I would say everything has improved, but the LDL. 
that's likely caused by, this has likely been caused by eating more protein, meats, cheeses, and eggs. But everything I read about reducing my LDL just adds carbs. I'm eating an obscene amount of vegetables and only berries on occasion and an apple with nut butter or, or with nut butter for fruit. I exercise by biking or fasting or walking. I'm sorry, biking or fast walking. I rarely miss a day of exercise. So what solutions do you have for lowering my LDL while maintaining a low carb lifestyle? I don't remember any podcasts that address this issue. So this is the question I want to answer. First off, Amy, awesome, strong work. Thank you so much for sharing your story. You know, I always want to on the podcast share with people. You do not need to join my group or spend thousands of dollars to become a member in my program to get these results. I would love it if you do. And I do think it creates an element of ease and also a guarantee that you get these results that you're looking for, but recognize people are doing this all the time, every day on their own. And you can too. Okay. So Amy, thank you so much for sharing your success with everybody. Um, so things you can do to lower your LDL or to improve your LDL. One, adding fiber is really important. Um, it will help your LDL. It will help your blood sugars. In fact, adding fiber every day can drop your A1C by about one point. So from 6.0 to 5.0, from seven to six, um, if you do that on a regular basis. So great um, whole food sources for fiber include flaxseed, chia seed, um, psyllium husks, uh, recognize if you're, I mean, it's the recommendation I think for chia is like three tablespoons. And I think for flax is like two tablespoons each day. If you jump right into that, that might be a little aggressive for your stomach and your GI system. So you may have to work into it. Uh, Metamucil is another thing that you can add. Um, I think that the whole food sources are a little bit better. Yes, you are going to add carbohydrates. I honestly, when I add chia or flax to my daily routine, and I do a few days a week, I will have this, um, it's a porridge mix. Basically it's butter, it's chia, it's flax. It's one tablespoon only of oats. And I try to do, um, steel cut oats and then a little bit like maybe a, a tablespoon of applesauce and a tablespoon of raisins. So, and then cinnamon and vanilla, and I just microwave it. Um, it is, it's like, I think it's like 35 grams of carbs and if I were really getting purist with it, I would probably remove the raisins and the applesauce because there's really actually no like nutritional value to it. But outside of that, I really treat that, that food again, a few times a week as a medicine. I don't treat it as food. In fact, a lot of times I'll even eat it when I haven't even been fasting or when I'm in my fasting window, I don't even consider it part of my meal. So, um, it is truly beneficial. The fiber is so, so good for you. So um, you will have higher carbohydrates when you eat that, but those carbohydrates, like 35 grams of carbohydrates in the form of chia seeds and flax seeds and steel cut oats is a far different cry than 35 grams of carbohydrates as a Twix bar. Okay. So um, I use it as medicine. I use that. That is one of those food as medicine type things that I eat. And I do it because it's really, truly good for our bodies. Another thing that you can do, and it really is going to improve your blood sugars and recognizing when you normalize your um, insulin resistance, your LDL is going to normalize. That's going to improve. We know insulin resistant bodies do not manage their cholesterol appropriately. 
So once you're in that process of normalizing the LDL, of, I'm sorry, of normalizing your insulin resistance, a lot of times if you give it a few months after that part, you will see that the LDL will improve. So um, lemon juice, about one to two tablespoons of lemon juice, the fogginess to my glass right here, my glass of water right here is due to lemon juice in it. And I do that probably once a day. I do it because I really like the way that it tastes, but um, understand that there is evidence that that one to two tablespoons of lemon juice and a glass of water will help improve your blood sugar, your glycemic control. So that may be another thing that you can do. And again, that's going to improve your glycemic control, which is going to improve your insulin resistance. And we know that that over time will improve your LDL. Um, do recognize that as you're losing weight, especially weight that you built off of poor food choices, as you're losing that weight, it is like eating fat and meat that has been created from poor food choices. <laughs> So you, as you burn off that fat, your LDL, we see that that can raise. Um, recognize when fat is built in the human being or in animals from food that is not natural or healthy for them, they will build fat that is more inflammatory and that can raise your LDL. So again, like as you're burning your fat, as you burn off and lose weight and start to liberate that energy from that stored adipose tissue, you may see a rise in your LDL because that adipose tissue was built with poor food choices. Do understand that happens with our food. Also, when you eat beef or chicken or pork, that has been fed food that is not natural to that, that animal, that animal builds fat, stores fat that is more inflammatory and will alter our, our LDLs, raise our LDLs and create that kind of inflammatory pathway. And it's not just the LDL. There's also omega-6 to omega-3 ratios that are out of whack. So what do I mean by what we feed our animals? Recognize cows do not in a natural environment ever eat soybean or corn or any of those grains. Cows in a natural environment eat grass and that's it. Pork or pigs in a natural environment eat a variety of different foods. Chicken in a natural environment eat a variety of different foods. When we raise them for agricultural purposes, we feed them almost solely grain. And it just alters the way that those animals then make their fat. And that fat is what rises our LDL. That's where we get into some sticky situations. So whenever people are like, oh, it's the, the fat in our beef, it's like red meat's bad for us. Red meat is not inherently bad for us. The way that we in America agriculturally feed our beef, that is what creates that LDL rise, that inflammatory fat rise, those problems with our cardiovascular system. So don't get all stressed out about the amount of fat you're eating as long as you're eating a high quality fat. This goes for butter, this goes for our milk sourcing, this goes for our cheese sourcing, all of it. If you are eating a product from an animal that has been fed food that is not natural to that animal, i.e. you're eating butter or milk or cheese from a cow that's been fed grain, the fat laid down in that product is going to be unhealthy fat because those animals are not meant to eat those foods. 
So um, that's another component you can also make adjustments to. Um, and then again, remembering that as you burn off your stored adipose tissue, you may see the LDLs rise there. I would recommend listening to podcast number 129. It's an interview with a client of mine who really struggled with her cholesterol also. Um, that may be, um, I don't know, let me give you some information or some other uh, pieces of information going on there. Okay, so let's jump into the topic today, victimization. Today is going to be I'm not meaning to be preachy. I'm not meaning to uh, make this a rough one, but do understand I do you no favors by allowing you or not challenging the crappy stories that keep you stuck. Okay. So today I'm doing my part to encourage you to break up with some of these stories. You don't need them anymore. They aren't true and you don't need them anymore. So we're going to talk about victimization and helplessness. Again, nobody's in love with this topic. Nobody feels great about this topic. I work with highly successful women. These are lawyers. These are physicians. These are um, women who run businesses, million-dollar businesses. They balance budgets. They're successful teachers. They do all sorts of things. I work with all sorts of very successful women. Not one of them would ever sit there and define themselves as a victim or as helpless. But when we listen to the stories that we tell ourselves about why we can't do, do the damn thing, why can't we do the thing? they are almost always based in this victim mentality or this helpless mentality. There's something happening that we don't have control over. And so that's really what I want to help get some wiggle room on is what I call, oh, that's not actually a fixed thought. There's wiggle room. Maybe I can get that out of my brain and get something more effective in my brain. So this may seem harsh. And again, like, I don't mean it to be harsh. It's always from the most amazing place of love but I do you no favors by letting you hold on to these stories. Okay. So before we jump into the stories, I do want to clearly define what I mean by victim and what I mean by helpless. So victimization or being a victim is two. There are two definitions that most of us are aware of. One is being a victim in a court of law, right? Like something, somebody harmed you, somebody stole from you, somebody, um, you know, somebody who's been murdered, they're a victim of a, a crime. Okay. And it's proven in a court of law. These are casualties, fatalities, uh, sufferers. Another word that they use though is a uh, synonym, synonym is loser. So I'm like, oh, I don't think any of my clients would ever define themselves that way. But the more, the more, I guess, appropriate uh, definition or the one that I'm really talking about is the definition defined as a person who has been tricked or duped. And that's really what I'm talking about. When somebody describes themselves as not being able to create a result that they want in their life because of X, they have been tricked or duped because the world is open to us to create almost anything that we want. Maybe we can't fly, but even that isn't true. We get on airplanes all the time and we fly, even though we don't have wings. So that is the version of victim that I am talking about, a person who has been tricked or duped. duped. The other definition I want to go into is helpless. So helpless is somebody who is unable to defend themselves or to act without help. So 
it's incapable, it's powerless, it's impotent, it's weak, it's feeble, defenseless, all of these things. Those sound, again, nobody would ever like define themselves as helpless. A lot of times there is this learned helplessness that we as a society totally accept as a reality and it does not serve us. It keeps us stuck and it, there's no benefit to holding on to that story. Okay. Um, the other definition of helpless that I thought was interesting was uncontrollable, which is probably, again, this more subtle helplessness that people talk about. This thing happens and I can't control it. So that's why I'm sick with type two diabetes. <clears throat> so recognize these are all tactics that our brain uses, like these stories that we tell ourselves. And I'm going to dive into examples of this, but these are stories that our brain tells ourselves in order to stay in a comfortable or familiar situation. Even though our brain likes novelty and new things, anything that's new and uncomfortable, our brain is going to want to avoid. Okay. And our brain will get very creative to find ways to keep us into that comfort zone. And they will position, our brain will position these stories as being entirely unavoidable and out of our control so that we don't have to work and do the uncomfortable work of making the change. Okay. So versions of this that I hear from clients, um, you know, my biology, it's, it's genetic. It runs in my family. It's in my genes. That's a story that I hear. And you and I both know, because I've done podcasts on this. When you look at metabolic disease, it Americans that have metabolic disease that are metabolically unhealthy. They have done two studies in the last five years. One was done in 2019 by the University of North Carolina. The other was done in uh, July of this year. I think it was published July of this year of 2022 by the, I believe it was Tufts University. These two studies, the first one, the earlier one done in 2019, found that 88% of Americans, if you look at five different parameters of metabolic health, 88% of Americans are metabolically diseased. That means only 12% of us are metabolically healthy if you look at five different parameters. Okay, so the other study done in the summer of 2022 repeated these uh this these five different um biologic parameters biomarkers and found that 93% of america americans are metabolically unhealthy only 7 7% of us are metabolically healthy so when you think about this this is not a genetic issue right genetically we did not become the dominant species on this planet planet by 90% of us, if I cut the difference, right? 90% of us being metabolically diseased. Like we are not genetically predestined to be diseased. That is not true. This is an element, this metabolic disease. And again, metabolic disease is everything from diabetes and prediabetes and polycystic ovarian syndrome and cholesterol issues and dementia and non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, all of these diseases of our metabolism are driven typically by high insulin levels. And 90% of us are not genetically predispositioned for this. This is an element of the foods that we eat. Believing that we are genetically predispositioned to be sick and that we're all just going to have to be sick 
keeps us from making those changes. A lot of times you'll hear um, like counselors, like these diabetic educators, and they're like, oh, this is a disease. You've got to learn to live with this. It's part of what makes you unique. I've actually had clients say that to me, but this is what makes me unique. I'm like, out of, for the love of God, out of all the things about you, this disease state is not what makes you unique. There's a million things that make you unique, but this disease state is not it. Okay. And again, this is a tactic that our brain uses to keep us from having to make the difficult changes associated with changing the way that we're eating, the changing the way that we're living our life. Other versions that I've heard from clients, my biology won't do that. My body won't do it. Right. Like, and this sounds a lot like, um, when I don't eat, I feel uncomfortable. I feel shaky. I feel jittery. And you probably do. It's not that that doesn't happen. But it's not that your body can't go more than a few hours without eating. That's not the reality of that. This is an element, this feeling that you get is an element of your insulin resistance. That's what's happening. It's an element of this metabolic disease. When you actually reverse the disease process, your body will do all sorts of things. But This is one of those things that people tell themselves to keep themselves from making those hard changes. The other things that I hear, I don't like to eat that way. Of course, you don't like to eat that way. Food manufacturers make that food addictive so that you continue to eat that. It's one of those things. Again, it's uncomfortable just because, I mean, I don't like to get up and go to work. I don't feel well right now, right? I didn't want to get up and be a human today. But we did it. We do all sorts of things that we don't want to do. So the idea that I don't want to eat that way and we believe it, like, I just don't want to, like, it just doesn't settle well with me to eat that way. Like, it's just not who I am. I'm just not made that way. Allowing ourselves to believe that this is something that's unchangeable keeps us stuck. My family won't eat that way. That's another one that I hear, right? My family won't eat that way, so I can't eat that way. There's a lot of things that my children don't do. I always say, you guys know I I cuss quite a bit. I was, my dad hates that I use this, but I was born on a naval base and my dad really is a sailor. And so I use that as the reason that I, um, it's the reason, like I know it's optional, but it is the reason that I tell people for my colorful vocabulary, right? And people will ask me, I mean, like, I definitely, like my kids have heard horrible things come out of my mouth and people, my mother, she was like, you can't talk that way in front of the kids. And I was like, there are all sorts of things that I do that my kids never do. Right. My kids never pay taxes. They never pay the electricity bill. They never worry about the grocery bill. They don't ever pay the mortgage. There are all things, sorts of things that I do as an adult that my children never do. So for me, like Cussing is one of the things that an adult does that children don't do, just like paying the bills, just like paying taxes, right? So if my kids eat and my kids do eat pasta and junk, they eat, I mean, they don't eat as much junk as a lot of kids do, but they still eat their share of junk. There are all sorts of things that I do that my kids don't do. And there's all sorts of things that my kids do that I don't do. So the fact that my family won't eat a certain way has nothing to do with the way that I eat. They are not, inter- or, uh, they're not, you know, 
bound to each other or chained to each other. They don't need to be the same. So when we think that, again, my family won't eat that way. Like, I can't help it. Like, I'm out of control. Like, it's not my fault. I have to eat this way because my family won't eat this way. That is a stuck story that isn't true, that just keeps you from reaching the goals that you want to reach. I actually heard a coach say this once, and it was about weight loss. But it was the story that this client had given this coach about, well, my kids won't eat this way. So, you know, I have to eat that way too. I have to eat the way my kids eat. And this coach said, and it sounded really harsh, but it was so true. Almost the truth was almost kind when you hear it. Your kids do not want to be the reason that you're overweight. Taking that a step farther, your kids do not want to be the reason that you're unhappy with your body taking it a step even farther. Your kids don't want to be the reason that you're sick with type two diabetes. Okay. So this idea that my family won't eat this way is a story that we tell ourselves. It keeps our stuff and it's not even true. I can't live without food. That's another story. I can't live without X bread. This is usually the one that I hear from people. I can't live without bread. 10,000 years ago, we populated the earth without bread. My suspicion is you can't live without bread. More importantly, if you keep eating bread the way you have been, you're going to continue to be sick. And that's what's going to keep you from living, right? Like that's actually what's going to cut years off of your life. So the story that I can't live without X food, chocolate's the other one that I hear a lot. I can't live without chocolate. That's a story that keeps us stuck. It makes us like it's from this place of I have no control. I just can't, I can't live without that. Now, a lot of times maybe we don't want to live without it. I don't want to live without chocolate. I don't eat a lot of chocolate anymore. I'm trying to think of, I think, I mean, it was the holiday. It was Thanksgiving. And yes, somebody brought chocolate peanut clusters and they were so good. They were homemade. They were really, really good. I had a couple of those, but really day to day, I don't have chocolate, but I don't want to live without chocolate. I could totally do it. I could totally do it. I don't want to. That is a much more truthful statement and a more powerful statement. Like I'm doing this from a place of empowerment. I don't want to live without chocolate, but I do make the decision not to eat it in a way that makes me sick anymore. But telling yourself you can't live without it, whoop, can't live without it, hands washed, nothing I can do. Okay. So be very careful of the things that you tell yourself you cannot live without. (laughs) Giving yourself the gift of telling yourself the truth of it, which is I don't want to live without it, gives you movement forward. It keeps you out of that stuck position. Okay. That's not the way I was raised. I wasn't raised eating like this. My family always ate bread or rice or a starch with the meat. And we also had potatoes, right? So I just, we weren't raised that way. So I can't change the way I eat. A story that keeps you stuck. The way that you were raised, what happened 30, 40 years ago in your life has no bearing, does not need to have, it is not required to continue to still drive the things that you do today. It's not a requirement. It's optional. Now, if you want to have similar things from when you were a child, right? Like there's a lot of things from my childhood that I love. I got to get together with my family who I haven't seen in many, many years for the first time, this was family that we spent every holiday with for probably, I don't know, 10, 15 years. It was so great to get back together with them. Those are things I want, but the way that we ate that makes us sick, that is not necessarily what I want in my life. 
And what happened back then and what happens now, there's no bearing on those. Those things are not equivalent. They don't need to be together. Um, I'm just too busy. This is a big one. These last two I'm going to give. I'm just too busy. I don't have the time. That's I'm just too busy. Close cousin, right? This first one, I'm just too busy or I don't have the time. Really what that comes down to, again, like it's out of my control, right? Like in our brain, we seem like we're just reporting the news and this is just something that's happening in my life and I don't have control over it. It is the worst um, misservice we do as coaches or I've done as a coach to let people believe this. As if somewhere along the way, people who are living healthy have so much more time than everybody else the people who aren't living healthy, right? That's certainly not what we see, first off. Second off, the recognition that what you have scheduled in your day has nothing to do with the food that you're putting in your mouth. It's not like I have, you know, work from 6 a.m. till 7 p.m. And suddenly that means I need to put only foods that make me sick into my mouth as if there's no other food available to you. That is a story that we tell ourselves that keep keeps us stuck and it's not true. And when we put it like this, I'm just too busy or I don't have time to take care of this. It seems like we have no control over it. We have no agency over it. And it's just not true. The things on your schedule do not need to control the things that you put in your mouth. There's just no connection there, but we build this connection again so that we can stay in this place of not having to make the hard changes, not making the difficult choices about just not putting the candy in your mouth. Because you're busy does not mean you need to hit the candy jar. Because you're busy and maybe you weren't able to make a quote unquote healthy meal does not mean then that you have to put donuts from the break room. Like somehow you're going to starve to death right here today on a Monday morning without a donut in your mouth. That isn't true. It's a story that we tell ourselves and it keeps us stuck and it keeps us sick. The last one, I don't have the money. Again. The amount of money in your checking account has nothing to do with whether or not you put that donut in your mouth. They are not related. There is no reason that you must eat the donut. And you will not, I promise you, not eating that donut will not kill you. If you are at a place where your, um, your life or death is so tenuous that a donut is going to be what makes or breaks it, I see I, one, I seriously doubt donuts are going to be available to you first off. Second off, there is way more going on than money and donuts, right? Like there's a lot of things that need to be fixed. Donuts are never going to be what has to happen. The food that makes you sick as an umbrella statement is never going to be what has to happen. That is not the reality of it. It is a story your brain tells yourself. So you don't have to make the hard decision of not eating the donut. Okay. I don't have the money to eat the healthy food. That's just because maybe healthy food is more expensive does not mean it's a free for all on food that makes you sick. Donuts are never the answer. Not eating food for me, like putting food that is essentially poison to your body, especially if you're type two diabetic or you're insulin resistant. If you're putting food that's causing like a donut or food that's quote unquote unhealthy. If you're putting that food in your body, you're essentially putting poison in your body. That's what's happening there. And there's never a time where that needs to happen. 
Okay. So the other one is when people say they don't have the money to join my program. And that's fine. Like, I get it that maybe they don't have the money laying around there. Like, that's awesome. But again, the amount of money that you do or don't have available to you has nothing to do with the foods that you put in your mouth. Being a part of my group program has nothing to do with the foods that you put in your mouth. Is there support there? Absolutely. Is there help there? Absolutely. Is there somebody to bounce things off of? Absolutely. Is there somebody to coach with so that you can work through some of these stories that your brain tells you? Absolutely. But please break the connection of these stories with the food that you put in your mouth. Your body will do that if we stop feeding it poison. You don't like to eat that way has nothing to do with what you actually eat. Just like I don't like to get up in the morning has nothing to do with whether or not I go to work in the morning. My family won't eat that way has nothing to do with the way that you'll eat. I can't live without X has nothing to do with you actually not eating that food because you can live without it. That's not the way I was raised. How you were raised has nothing to do with the things that you are doing right now. It does not need to dictate the things that you are doing today in your life. I'm too busy or I don't have time is not what is dictating whether or not you put a donut in your mouth. And I don't have money has nothing to do with the foods that you put in your mouth. Okay. Breaking up with the idea that we're starving in America, that there's somehow I need food right now in this moment. That is very rarely anything that's happening in America. If you are able to listen to this podcast, that's very rarely what's happening. So there's no reason to continue to hold on to that story. Okay. These are the stories that keep us stuck. These are the tactics, the different ways that our brain stalls us from eating or from creating the results that we want. They're not true. Learning to find some wiggle room, like, oh, maybe I wasn't the kind of person that would eat this way, but I'm learning how to be that. Maybe I don't like to eat in a fasting regimen, but it's possible I could learn how. Maybe my family doesn't eat this food, but I can figure out a way I will eat this food, right? All of these stories, they are stories, they're not fact, and they're things that we tell ourselves that keep us stuck and they are optional, okay? So if you're feeling like there's no way for you to make these changes, give yourself permission to move past that, to consider if I were going to make these changes, what would it look like? Because what I want to offer you is we hold these stories. This is the way my family eats. This is the way I used to eat. I feel cruddy. I can't do it. I don't have the time. I don't have the money. We hold to these stories. And I want to ask you, what is it costing you to hold to these stories? What is it? What are you giving up in your life so that you can continue to make these stories quote unquote true? Okay. What if it's possible that it's not true? Is there a benefit to you in considering that it's not true? That's the wiggle room. Okay. Of course, this is where coaching helps, but you can consider these things right now without any of the coaching. If you want to make it any easier on yourself, send me a message, Delane at DelaneMD.com. We'll set you up for a consult. We'll get you started. These are the things we work through. It is not easy necessarily to work through these things and it's not intuitive, but it is possible. Okay. And if that's something you want help with, if you have the ability to give yourself that gift to get the help through this, 
let me know. There is help for you. We can do this. If you have any questions about this, do not ever hesitate to send me a message, delane at delanemd.com. If you think it's baloney, I love best hearing from you folks. I don't hear that much, but I'm happy to uh, answer any questions about that because I know it is very easy to stay in that mindset. And again, like, what is it costing you to stay in these mindsets? Are you willing to pay that price? Is there a benefit in considering that there's some other way to think about this? It is such a gift to give yourself that. I hope this has been helpful. I will be back next week. Bye-bye.